0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening.
1: Now is the time for scripture reading. Uh, Today's passage is taken from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 38. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I'll give us some time to just grab them. I'll be reading from the NIV and... Once I'm done reading the passage, I'll invite Nick to come up and explain this passage to us. Luke chapter 3, verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria and Choconitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones... God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, And what should we do? He replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Martha, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Yesli the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Matathias, the son of Semin, the son of Joseph, the son of Joda, the son of Joannan, the son of Reza, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melki, the son of Adi, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eleazar, son of Jorim, son of Matad, son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, son of Eliakim, the son of Meliah, the son of Mena, the son of Matatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminada, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Seruk, the son of Reu, the son of Pelech, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Kinan, the son of Apaxed, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. This is the word of the Lord. I now invite Nick to come and explain this passage to us.
0: Thank you, Denzel, uh, for reading that passage for us. Okay. uh, Yes, I I know that the sun off is still running uh, in your minds. Uh, Hold on to that thought. That is important for today because we are reading God's Word. And these names are in God's Word. Uh, Let's pray and ask God for His help. O Lord, our God, may your Spirit uh, do your work in us according to your Word, uh, through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Now, uh, friends, uh, when was the last time uh, you changed your mind about something? So we change our mind when there's a better choice, so we, and we keep uh, choosing that choice. So I used to think that when I wore a blanket around my neck, uh, put a clothes pack right here, that I was Superman. So I used to think that until one day, I put on my cape, put the pack, stood on the sofa, and I jumped. And I changed my mind that day. So we change our minds when uh, there's a there's a better choice, and our actions show uh, that choice. Well, there's a term that we that we use to talk about this change of mind. Uh, that that term is sometimes you say we have repented. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a change in our minds. It's a change in our minds that affects our Actions. So maybe, maybe for some, maybe some. I, I just I just watched uh, some of the youth playing a chess game. Maybe you thought that pawns are useless, until one day you cannot checkmate by pawn. Yeah, <laughs> yes, hey, Elijah, give me a thumbs up. Or maybe you have repented uh, from using IKEA furniture, and now you only use forty two. Or maybe. You have repented from using Mac, and now you only use PC. You know, I, I know it always happens the other way, but i just, just saying. So some, and sometimes, repentance can change your life. So I read about someone who never wore seatbelts. But one day, his friend wear, saw him wearing a seatbelt in the car. He asked, hey, why are you wearing a seatbelt? And his friend said, well, because my, my friend just had a car accident, and he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, so now I will always wear a seatbelt. So this man repented of not wearing seatbelts. So repentance can save us in a physical sense, but this is more true in a spiritual sense. Repentance can save us. Look at verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. John goes around preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So Repentance can lead to forgiveness of sins. But you might wonder, why repent why should i repent why should i change my mind about spiritual things why should i repent about jesus now luke chapter 3 will show us you must repent because of the coming of the lord So, the passage today is to focus on the coming of the lord and you see this in two parts so first you see that the lord is coming and then the lord has come the lord is coming and the lord has come the lord is coming chapter 3. Yes, look at me, look with me at verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Peturia, and Trachonitis, Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So historians say that this happened around AD 27. And during this time, God spoke through John, son of Zechariah. Oh, Zechariah, sounds familiar, right, that name? Now, we came across Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. So the angel told Zechariah that he's going to have a son named John. And John would get re- people ready for God to come. But Zechariah believe? No, Zechariah didn't believe the angel. And Zechariah could not talk for maybe a year Until John was born. And when John was born, he could suddenly speak and he praised God. Again, look with me at chapter 1, verse 76. This is what uh, Zechariah says about John. Verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So in chapter 3, this is 30 years later. And the son John, the son of Zechariah, is preparing people for God to come. So in chapter 3, the way, that God, the way that John prepares people is he does the things that Isaiah spoke about. So Isaiah is a prophet 700 years before John. So 700 years before John, Isaiah said this. Okay, so uh, verse 4, somewhere in the middle of this verse 4. a voice of one calling in the wilderness... Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked hills shall be, become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. To get ready for God, roll out the red carpet. Make sure that the hill is, there's no hill for Him to cross. Make sure there's no valley for Him to go under. Make the road straight. And under straight roads, make sure that they, they're not windy. No bumpy roads for him because God is coming. God is coming to save. A few years ago, we had this thing called the Singapore Memory Project. So in the Singapore Memory Project, you see this person's name at the bottom there. His name is Jerome Lim. So Jerome Lim wrote about how in 1972, Queen Elizabeth II came to Singapore. And she, she arranged to come to his three-room flat at Tuapayo. So his family had to prepare. They had to make over the house, scrub it, sweep it, and mop the house, and prepare prepare the best clothes to get ready for the queen to come. Then Queen Elizabeth came, she stayed for a short while, and then she left. And what Jerome said about this experience is, he remembers being reluctant to wash his hands. Why? Because he just shook the queen's hand. Good thing last time no COVID. But we, we will prepare for important people to come. And John is doing the same thing. John is getting ready, people ready for God to come. Not just, not, not, and he does it by asking people to repent, not by I mean, preparing your wardrobe or cleaning your house. So John prepares people in two ways with his baptism. So first he tells people to repent, and he tells people uh, to get ready for the coming Lord. Okay, so verse 3, so he does, he does this by preaching a repentance, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now baptism, what is that? That is like being dunked in water or being immersed in water. So John, in our passage, he dunked or he immersed people in water. This is to symbolize their repentance. This, uh, repentance is like a, a U-turn, it's like a change of mind that I talked about just now. I'm like making a U-turn from your way to God's way. Now let me give you uh, an illustration. So there's this missionary. He was is visiting this faraway village. And for this village to enter it, there are only two ways. You either come in from the north or you come in uh, from the south. So the, the congregation somehow decided that the missionary must be taking the south road. So they, they prepared to welcome, welcome him at the south entrance. So they had uh, music, they had fireworks, uh, they had garlands, they had fruit, they had performances. But then the missionary, when he came, he came in by the north, and when he came in by the north entrance. The, the only thing that welcomed him were goats and chickens. So he had to whisper to them, "Hey, I'm at the north. I'm in the north entrance." So the whole village had to uh, make a U uter- turn. They had to bring all the, all the welcoming stuff all the way from the south to the north and they had to welcome, uh, welcome the missionary. So just as the village made this U-turn to face the missionary, God's people must make a U-turn from their sin to God. Now, what kind of U-turn did the people have to make? The God's people used to think, or God's people thought, and they were very sure that they were children of Abraham. But what does John call them in verse seven? Look at it. What does he, he say about them? You, brood of vipers. I learned this week that a brood, but a brood doesn't mean a group or collection of vipers. Brood means children of vipers, family of vipers. So John is saying, you are not children of Abraham as you thought you were. You are children of snakes. Ouch! That's like calling, calling them the family of Satan. And listen to verse 8 and 9. Listen to how urgent uh, this, the situation is. Verse 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. The God's people are in danger. If they don't U-turn ASAP, it's going to be like like the lumberjack has unsheathed his sharpened axe, and he had just taken his first swing at the root of the trees. And John warns them in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So do this U-turn, this repentance in your heart, in your minds, and show that U-turn in your actions, in the fruit. That's the fruit of repentance. The outward action of the inward repentance. And that's a lesson for us too. You see, our U-turn from sin to God must show in our actions. Otherwise, We are just like the brood of vipers. The tree that's going to be cut down. Or as one preacher, uh, he paraphrased John's words for his audience like this. You snakes. Do you really think God is going to save you just because you've been baptized and belong to the evangelical church? Listen. Unless you repent, you are going straight to hell. And what should we do then? And that's what, the, that's what the crowds ask in verse 10. What should we do? In verse 11, John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then, he, then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely, be content with your pay. Now this passage shows us two things about repentance. First, there's everyone must repent. Everyone. You see, John doesn't say anyone who has a well-stocked wardrobe from H&M and Uniqlo must share clothes from last season and before that. The the, the clothes you have now, it's okay, you can keep. No, John doesn't say that. John says, anyone who has two shirts must share one. Anyone who has food must share. Now this means that the the standard of repentance, the bar of repentance is low. Anyone can do that because everyone must do that. No sin is too small for repentance to be unnecessary. And no sin is too big for repentance to be useless. Everyone must repent. That's the first first thing we learn about repentance. The second thing we learn about repentance is, repentance shows itself in the way that we treat other people. Repentance means everyone must stop holding Clothes, not stop hoarding money, but share. So repentance for the tax collectors means that they must stop collecting extra tax uh, to fatten up their wallets. Now, In those days, the Roman Empire collected different tax amounts from different districts, depending on how many people there were. So tax collectors in that district, they, they can collect extra. They will collect extra, uh, give some to Rome, and the rest they keep for themselves. The repentance for them means that they trust God to provide for them and collect only what they need to collect. And repentance means for soldiers to stop extortion and stop bullying. You see, soldiers had power uh, to, to, to accuse people of crimes or extort money uh, from them. Yeah, so for those, those of us who have uh, who have done NS, you can imagine, right, if, if someone holds a, a SAR 21 to you and, and, and tells you Give me your money. Yeah, or I will or I'll accuse you of of hitting a soldier. Oh, then then you say, oh, okay, okay, I I get it, I get it. Oh, here's my money, here's my wallet, you take everything. Now repentance means soldiers must trust God to provide for them from their pay, from whatever they get from their pay, and not use their power to get more. Now when I was preparing this passage, I wondered, I looked at all these all these things and I wondered eh, how come all these things are, are all about people? There's nothing about like, going to a temple, offering sacrifices, serving more at church, or reading a Bible more, or praying more. Why doesn't John say that? Now, there are many good reasons. So like, uh, we, will tr- we will trust God to care for us rather than stealing and trying to think that God doesn't care. And all. We will show that when we, or when we, when we share with others, we show that we, we love the God that we cannot see, by loving the people that we can see. And so that's from uh, one John chapter four. So all these are good reasons. And the the reason that Luke wants to wants to show you is that God is using you to help the poor. God is using you to help the poor. Now turn back with me to chapter 1, verse 52 to 53. Okay, so this is what God is already doing. This is God's agenda. Chapter 1, uh, verse 52 and 53. Okay, if you're using the scripture journal, it's on page 16. Okay, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So when you use money, when you use your possessions to help the poor, to build people up, God is using you to lift up the humble, to fill the hungry with good things. You are a picture of God saving the humble through Jesus. But if you remain proud, you use people to build up your bank account, then God will scatter you. God will bring you down. God will send you away empty. Friends, do you use people to build your bank account up or do you use your bank accounts to build other people up? Now this is true for, for anything where you put your trust in. Like, uh, do you use people to build your grades up or do you use your grades to build people up? I mean, maybe you're, you're friends with the smart people in your school so that you're hoping some smartness rub off you so that maybe you'll talk more about, I don't know, uh, X plus Y squared equals to whatever it is. Yeah, you're hoping it's not that will rub off. No, that's using people. How should we? What should we do? We should be using using what, the gifts that we have if God has given you that, God has given you gifts in studying to help, help, your, help your friends at school. Because you are a picture of God helping the humble, of God help, helping the humble through Jesus and saving them. And also for, the, for, for those of us who are, who are, who are done with studies, do you use people to build up your ministry? Or do you use your ministry to build people up? All must repent for other people. Now we're talking about this U-turn, this changing of minds. So why is this changing of minds important? Well, because the Lord is coming. That's what John is saying. The Lord is coming to save and to judge. Now this is the second way that John prepares people for the Lord. So John tells people about this coming Lord. So God's people are waiting for, for God to come to save them. Like last week, we saw in Simeon, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, chapter 2. For God to console them, for God to comfort them out of the misery, for God to forgive them for their sins. So God was going to save them with a special king, a special king called the Messiah. Okay, look at verse 15 with me. Look at verse 15. Who did the people think was this long-awaited Messiah? Verse 15. People were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. Now, what did John do? John did no miracles. No miracles recorded for us. No raising of the dead. What he only did is he told people about God. He prepared people for God. He spoke God's words. And people thought he was the Messiah. Is John the Messiah? Look at verse 16. How what does John say? Is he the Messiah? John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John is not the Messiah. People thought John was great, but the Messiah is infinitely greater. John isn't worthy enough to do the most humble thing humble, humble thing for the Lord, to untie his sandals. The last time, untying the sandals is, is something that even your slave wouldn't do for you. It's so lowly that no one should do it for you. You need to do it yourself. John is not worthy to do that. And the Messiah is greater than John. And it's so much greater that even the Messiah's baptism is greater than John. So as John is dunking people in water, he's telling people, hey, this water baptism, this is a picture of that greater baptism. That greater baptism of Holy Spirit and fire. So the Lord will dunk people in Holy Spirit and fire. Hmm, that sounds strange. What does that mean? He not on the Holy Spirit part, what this means is, if he, the Lord will fill people with the Holy Spirit. And one of the, one of the benefits that those people who, that the, the Holy Spirit is one of the benefits that you get if you are saved. If the Lord saves you, the Lord will give you the Holy Spirit. Now the fire part, okay, the fire part might mean that the Lord will purify you, will refine you to be his people because the bible uses fire in, to purify but look at verse 15. verse 15 shows us another way that the bible uses the word fire what happens to those in the fire those in the fire get burnt up now verse 17 uses farming language so they have these stalks of wheat and what happens with with the wheat is the farmer takes the fork the winnowing fork and throws it in the air as it throws in the air, the wind will blow the stalks of wheat, and the, stalks of, and the grain, which is small and dense, imagine like rice, will fall to the ground, it falls straight down, but the wind will carry the stalks, the empty stalks, the rubbish, away. It will blow the, the stalks away, and it will fall in another pile. So the Lord will separate the grain from the, the rubbish, the chaff. And he'll gather the wheat, the grains, and he'll put them in the barn. You keep them safe. But the but the shaft, he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, no farmer has unquenchable fire. There's no such thing. No such thing uh, in, in any farm. Otherwise, I don't know, the you'll burn down the farm. Yeah, so unquenchable fire is actually uh, okay. So let me show you this. A judge. The unquenchable fire is a picture of eternal suffering. So this is what Isaiah says, Isaiah 66, And they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms who eat them will not die. The fire that burns them will not be quenched, and they will be loathsome to all mankind. So the Lord is coming. He will save some people, and He will judge some people so how do how does the law decide who gets saved who gets judged now it all depends on your repentance on whether you have made a u-turn or not and if you have repented then you're saved if you haven't repented and you show your from your fruits from your actions that you haven't repented then the axe is at the root of the trees Ready to cut you down. And what does unrepentance look like? Look at Herod at verse 19. That is what unrepentance looks like. So, verse, verse 1 told us that Herod is like there, is a local ruler. Verse 19 tells us Herod is an evil man. And verse 19, John was bold enough to rebuke uh, this evil man uh, for stealing his, his, hus- uh, his, bro- his brother's wife. It uh, just says, John rebuked the crowds. So when John is rebuking Herod, he's scolding him, yes, but he's also telling Herod, Herod, you better change. There's judgment coming. You've got to repent. And what did Herod do? Look at verse 20. Did he repent? No. Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Herod's fruit is doing evil. Locking up God's spokesperson to stop God's word, to cover his ears. And what was his root? His root is unrepentance. Rebellion against God's words. There's unrepentance. For him, there's no U-turn. So his, his fruit, evil, doing evil. His root, unrepentance, no U-turn. And what will his end be? Unquenchable fire. Herod's fruit reveals his root. His actions to reject God's word reveal that in his heart he hasn't repented yet. And that's the same for us, friends. That's the same for you and I. Your fruit reveals your root. Our actions reveal whether in our hearts we have repented or not. The evidence of our U-turn is our actions. I remember someone from my army days. Okay, so he he used to, what I remember about him is, he used to boast, he used to curse and swear, and he was a high-ranking guy, so, so all of us below him, all don't like him. And imagine my surprise when I realized, when I saw him in a church, not our church, I saw him in a church, not just one week, not just the next week, and I realized, hey, he's attending that church every week. Now he's not living out the mind that has changed, that has made a U-turn to Christ. Just like Herod. And we might be like Herod too. See, I wonder what our families would say about us. Okay, I'm not just saying this about you. I'm saying this about me. Are we covering our ears to God's word like Herod? Or do we keep turning away from sin to follow Jesus? Our repentance means that we keep turning away from sin to follow Jesus. This doesn't mean that we are always perfect. But what this means is, every time I sin, I say sorry to God, I say sorry to people I've hurt and I ask God for help to follow Him and towards other people I show that I have I have this repentant heart I change my actions the, the repentant life isn't a perfect, perfect life the repentant life is a life that always makes you turn not just one time when you believe in Jesus but every single Day, making the U turn to God. Repent and live out your repentance. Okay, so this is picture, is the root reveals the root. So the Lord is coming to save and judge. So get ready by making the U turn from sin to God. Now you might have noticed I haven't mentioned Jesus much in the first bit. First bit of the sermon even though he's the main character in the book of Luke. He's the main character of chapter 2. In chapter 2, uh, we learn that Jesus is the Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Now, now why, how do we know that Jesus is this coming Lord that John prepares people for? Because at Jesus' baptism, God took the microphone and announced that Jesus is the Lord. So everything in verse 21 and 22, everything that happens there can be seen, can be heard. Okay, now look at verse 21 and 22 and imagine you were there. Imagine you were there. As he was praying, heaven opened. So you can see the heavens opening and then verse 22, you can see the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And then you hear something. A voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I, am well, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So you see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and you hear a voice saying, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. Now these things didn't happen for Jesus' benefit. It's not that he didn't have the Holy Spirit or he didn't know that he is the Son of God. You see, in, in, in Luke chapter 1, Remember how, the, how Mary was going to have a baby? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come over her and cause her to conceive, to become pregnant with Jesus. So Jesus already had the Holy Spirit. And Jesus already knew that He was the Son of God. So if you turn back with me, chapter 2, verse 49, a few pages back. Chapter 2, verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house. Jesus already knew at 12 years old that he was God's son. Now, what does it mean to be God's son? God, Jesus is God's son in two ways. The first, Jesus is divine like God. So that's why there's an infinite sign because God is infinite. Jesus was God. Jesus had God's nature. Jesus was God. But secondly, Jesus was also the king. Because in those days, kings were also known as the Son of God. So Jesus is this special king. The special king that people are expecting in verse 15, that Messiah. So Jesus' baptism was God's PSA. God's public service, public service announcement. God's public service announcement that Jesus is the coming Lord that John is preparing people for. So people can hear that Jesus is God and he's the Messiah. People can see the Holy Spirit coming down on him. So the Holy Spirit, remember in what John said about Jesus, Jesus is going to be the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Jesus is the coming Lord. It's time to be saved. But you might ask, well, how do I know that Jesus is the right guy? How do I know, like, I don't know, that Heavens open and, sh- and the light shone on the wrong guy. Well, this is where this is where the family tree is important. You see, the family tree tells us at least four things about Jesus. Okay, so this family tree is the long list of sons of in verse twenty three to the end uh, to thirty eight. So the family tree shows us first that Jesus is a real guy. So he's a real guy. He has a family. You can trace his family way back. So so even though you don't know any of these names, I don't know who knows what uh, Nagai is, who Nagai is, or Maath, who is. We don't know, but he's a real guy. Jesus descended from them. Second, Jesus is the right guy. So this is the pinky because of pinky promise. So Jesus descended from David and from Abraham because God made special promises to David and to abraham so god will fulfill these special promises to david for example so you see david's name in verse 31 okay, so that jesus will be this uh, forever king so i, I was quite uh, encouraged that last they're bible study some people some people remember 7 8 9 2nd samuel chapter 7 and psalm 89 that god promised that one of jesus, one of david's descendants will be a forever king And Jesus is that forever king. In verse 34, we see Abraham's name. God will fulfill God's promises to Abraham that one of his children will bless the world. So we can be blessed through Jesus when we submit to Jesus as our forever king. So Jesus is the real guy and he's the right guy. And thirdly, Jesus is our guy. You see, in verse 38, Jesus is the son of Adam. Jesus was the first human being. Adam represents a whole human race. So the family tree includes Adam because Jesus saves all kinds of people. The Jews, the Gentiles, and even the Singaporean. Even you and I today. So Jesus is our guy, and lastly, Jesus is God's guy. In verse, verse 38. Jesus is the son of God because Jesus is God because Jesus is the forever king. Now friends, what does Luke chapter 3 to say to us today? So it says to us that the Lord is coming to save and to judge. So we get ready by making that u turn in our minds and showing in our actions. We repent second jesus is the coming lord who has come so john is preparing jesus for the, for jesus, john is preparing people for jesus to come by preaching repentance by telling people to repent and jesus has come and for us today jesus has also died rose from the dead ascended to heaven and rules his people from heaven so now do we still have to repent since that we are since we are after the cross and resurrection? We still have to repent? Yes, we still have to repent. You see, this is what Peter said after Jesus after Jesus has gone to heaven. If the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some of you understand, slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wish, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay. So, and, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done, in, done in, in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Friends, we still have to repent. We still have to make that U-turn from sin not just one time, but every single day, every single moment. Turn away from sin, turn to God. Repent, for Jesus, the coming Lord, has come. Today, today, today's passage is for you. God is speaking to you. Even, even including those, those of us who are here, who haven't believed in Jesus. God is speaking to you. Don't cover your ears like Herod. Make that you turn, or you will face unquenchable fire. Change your mind. Otherwise, the the axe is at the root of the trees. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus as Lord of your life, Lord of your whole life, because Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is a Lord that we must all repent to. We must you turn to Jesus in every area of our lives. Like the way that. I talk to my family, the way that I study, the way I work, the way I use the internet, the things I like, things I don't like. And we cannot tell Jesus to be Lord over everything in our lives except this teeny bit. We want to keep it for ourselves. No. Jesus is either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. So repent to Jesus the Lord of all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please work in us that we may, show, we may show true repentance in all of our lives. For your glory and our sanctification, in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Thank you, Nick, for explaining the passage to us. We will now have a short time of discussion and reflection. So on this slide, uh, there are two questions that we can be reflecting on. First, what is one area of life that is hard for Christians to put under Jesus' authority now? Uh, What would it look like to repent in this area? And secondly, have I repented to Jesus? And how do I know if I have? So for those of us who are here physically, um, feel free to discuss with the people who are in your roles but uh, do stick um, with those groups uh, for those who are on Zoom we will be sending you to breakout rooms to uh, further share and discuss with one another so we have five minutes uh, and, and yeah so feel free to begin discussing
0: thanks for listening to this
1: podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church for more information Visit us online at busypc.sg.